Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? Are we excited to open up the Word of God today? Come on. I know you are. I know you are. Listen, I am literally still riding that wave from the beginning of the month when we all came back together. I know we've been back for about like three weeks now, but it it still feels fresh to me. And every time I see you guys' faces coming in the doors, it brings such joy and excitement to not only me, but my family. This has truly become a fabric of our lives, and uh, we're just so joyful to be a part of this community. And so I'm, I'm so glad you guys are here today. We are in the midst of a series called Heal Our Land. And this is actually week four, okay? And the series is based out of a passage of scripture out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. You've heard us use it a few times, okay, throughout this series. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will hear their land. And we've had a couple of amazing weeks Tim leading it off. We had Dan Thomas here last week, which was an amazing week. And at times, I think this place has really kind of felt like a shelter from the storm because it's still going on all around us every day. We, we still are continuing to hear about the virus every day. We still are continuing to hear about this racial injustice. And I think this morning, I want to encourage you. I hope to encourage you that our God as present as he has ever been right now. He is still in control. He wants nothing more than to show up in the midst of this season and bring hope and peace. And you know what? As much as I pray for that miracle to happen, that you know we're going to find a vaccine and it's going to be all in place before football season starts, as much as I pray for that, as much as I pray that each day we might, or one day we're going to wake up And we're all going to learn to love each other just like we love our own children or our own family. What I realize is from history and even from just my own life experience is that I don't see God normally move in that way. You see, I see God move through his people, through his children. And I believe that that's God's desire in the midst of this. And this morning... I'm so excited because I want to share a story with you about ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to open up your Bibles. If you've got your phone, I want you to bust it out. If, you've, if you like pages on a Bible, then come on, grab that Bible. We're going to open up to Acts chapter 3 this morning. Acts, if you're new to the Bible, it's in the New Testament, so it's in that back third. You've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts goes right behind it. And just a little background on Acts, it's written by Luke, okay, who has the Gospel himself. And Luke was a physician, so he was very detail-oriented in his writing, which we'll see in the passage today. So, picking it up in chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. 
When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him. Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, I'm going to kind of tell a little bit of the story. It's a long story. It actually goes through chapters 3 and chapters 4. But after this healing happens, you can imagine it's only been about a couple months since Jesus was crucified. Okay? And so going back to a time when Jesus' words would stir up the crowd, this healing has stirred up the crowd and and it spreads quickly and people are running up to Peter and Paul and they're seeing this man who they've seen many times before sitting at that gate. One theologian wrote that They think he might have been there for 40 plus years, every day, family bringing him, setting him at the gate, picking him up at the end of the day, bringing him home. They've seen him so many times. So Peter speaks to the crowd, and of course, the high priests of the time, they see this crowd building outside. They're hearing the rustle and bustle. People are actually leaving the temple, going out into to see what is happening. And they send their guards out. And what do they find? They find a man who's been healed, and they find Peter and John preaching about Jesus. That Jesus is the one who healed this man. So the guards, they arrest him. Since they're not meeting till tomorrow, they throw him in jail for the night as a way to say thank you. Thank you for healing this man. We're going to throw you in jail for the night. (laughs) The next day... Peter and John are brought before the high priest. And we're going to pick it up in chapter 4, verse 8. And it says, by what power or name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, remember that. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all of the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And then it says this. It says, after Peter speaking, they say, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
So the story goes on. And the leaders, they realize they can't do anything because here's this man who they've seen for years and years healed right in front of them, standing right next to Peter and John. So they realize there's nothing they can do at this moment. So they come out and they tell Peter, we're sending you out, but you cannot talk about Jesus anymore. And I love Peter's response. He says, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of courage in a moment where you're hard-pressed? Now, there's a lot of different stories in these stories, in this story itself, that we could preach about. There's the faith of of Peter and John to, to heal the man. There's the courage that they had not only to confront the high priest, but the people that were coming up to him. I don't know if you remember what he said, but when he, the people come crowding, he says, do you think it's by us, by our own godliness that this happened? No. It's by the name of Jesus that this man is strong. The courage that they had. You could talk about the people that came to Christ that are now followers of Jesus because they saw that healing. It actually mentions in the middle of that story, and now over 5,000 people were following This morning, I want to draw you to a miracle before the miracle, to a story that led up to it. You see, this day was a day like a thousand days before. Peter and John are headed to the temple to worship like all good Jews do. They've walked the same path. They've taken the same steps. They have walked up that hill a thousand times. They most likely have always come through the gate called beautiful. And if you've ever wondered why they say that, because they actually say it twice in that scripture, the gate called beautiful, the gate itself was one of 12 that went around the temple, okay? And the gates were, most of the gates were adorned with silver and gold. But this gate in particularly was made of Corinthian bronze. And you know how bronze, when it's shined well, how it almost has a rainbow-esque appearance to it? Well, this is the gate called beautiful, and it's also one of the largest gates, So they always, this is probably the gate they go through every time. Much like some of you like to come through the OKC doors every time because that's what you do. Or maybe it was because there used to be donuts there. (laughs) But maybe someday they will be back, okay? So you can keep coming through that door if you want to. But why was this day different for them? They've seen this guy before. I think there are a couple things that lead to the answer to that question, okay? And so I want to I take you back just a little bit to the Last Supper, the upper room. All the disciples are meeting with Jesus. Jesus is telling them in John 14, you can go there if you'd like, or in John 16, actually, he's commissioning them in a sense. There's one portion in John 14 where he actually tells them, you are going to do greater things that I have done, greater things than these. And then in 14 through like 16, it happens about five times. He says this to him. He says in 16, verse 7, but very truly I tell you, 
It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And you have to know that this this confused the disciples. Okay? Because Jesus keeps saying, I'm going going to go away. And they're thinking, go away? What in the world? You've only been here for three years. Why would you go away now? And who's this guy called the advocate that you keep talking about that's going to come, but you have to go away for him to come? So they're pretty confused at this moment in time. Fast forward. Jesus is arrested, convicted, put on a cross. And let me just tell you, this wrecked their worlds. This was supposed to be the Messiah. If not, why in the world have they been following him for the last three years? Now Jesus is dead. But you know, as the story goes, he rises again three days later. And now they are living a completely different reality. All of the things that they saw, all of the miracles, all of the teaching, all of the words that he spoke about having to go away to pay the price for all mankind, all of that is making sense now. Over the course of the next 40 days, he appears to them a few different times. And what they come to now is that their faith is so much bigger. Their core belief in who Jesus is is so much bigger. And about 50 days after that, that advocate, that promised spirit, he shows up in the upper room again. He shows up. If you've been in church a while, you know the story. They start speaking in tongues. They kind of get out into the streets. People are hearing them in their own language. Everybody's trying to figure out what is going on. It's the Holy Spirit who has come. And that's just a couple chapters back in Acts 2 from this story. So they're coming fresh off of the Holy Spirit coming into their lives. So two things happened in that time. They've got a strong belief now in who Jesus really is. He is the Messiah. And they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So back to the story. Okay, they're walking up the hill on this day towards the gate called Beautiful. This time they have a different perspective. They have a different faith. They have a strong relief. They are looking through different eyes and with a different power. And on this day, it says that the man calls out to them and asks them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Now, I'm going to stop for just a second because... I love that line. And that line over the years as I've read this story has always stuck out to me. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Have you guys ever seen the movie Jumanji? Not the old one, the Robin Williams one, which is, I think, our family's favorite, okay? But the newer ones with The Rock, right? Now, in that movie, the premise of it, if you haven't seen it, is that they all get sucked in to this video game called Jumanji. So they're actually in the game, and they have to live out the adventure. And each one of them has these powers, and they they hit themselves or something, and a little screen comes up, tells them all of their superpowers that they have within the game. And one of them, the rock, has the power of 
smoldering intensity. Do you remember that part? It's the look that The Rock has, and I can't do it, but it's the... <laughs> you remember, okay? You remember smoldering intensity. I'm glad I'm not the only one, okay? So now let me relive this story just for a moment, okay? Peter and John, they're walking along the path, and the man calls out to them. And smoldering intensity. <laughs> look at us. So that's how my head works. <laughs> Back to the reality of the story, okay? So the man gave them his attention and expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now I want you to notice and, and I could go off on a tangent here, but I do want you to notice. He grabs him and pulls him up, and that is when his feet and ankles become strong. He had faith that they were going to heal. No hesitation, no second guessing of, oh, whether or not we should pray for this, because if the prayer doesn't work, what are people going to think? They leaned in to the moment. That is what made this day different than all the rest. Number one, they have a strong belief in who Jesus is now. There's no questions anymore. Number two, they have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And number three, they leaned in to the moment that was given them. In January of this year, guys, we all woke up to everyday reality that you've known for a long time, okay? We get up, we eat breakfast, we eat, we go to work. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, you get the kids ready, you get ready to take them to school. They go to school, students, you're all at school, we eat lunch, we do our afternoon, we pick up the kids, dad comes home, whatever the case may be. Eat dinner, watch TV, do something with friends, go to church on the weekends. There's a rhythm of life that you have, okay? And we have that until March 22nd. That our world kind of gets flipped upside down. And we wake up to a new reality. Okay, for some of us, a lot changed. Maybe you're working from home now. Students, you're not in school anymore. You had an extra long spring break. And then you had to try and figure out, how do we do this thing online? And teachers, whoo, I'm so sorry. You had to try and figure it out. It was a new reality for all of us. And during that season, our church leaned into the moment. There were people that were giving to us before we even heard who was in need. And we were able to bless families. We found about, about this resource center down the street that feeds low-income families. And many of you brought food for a food drive for them. And you know what the lady who, who does that, who owns that, she told me that was the largest amount of food that she's ever received from anybody. She's been doing it for 27 years. We leaned into the moment. Just as we think we're getting ready to come out of that season, bam. Another violent act against a black man. 
and our world changes again just a little bit. And now we're asking ourselves, we've been asking ourselves for the last couple of weeks, what can we do? This season, this time around, as it comes to racial inequality, has been different for me this year. And guys, this has been happening for a long time. I can remember back to right when I got out of high school. And it was probably in my college years. It was actually 28 years ago that Rodney King happened. Some of you probably remember that. It was in L.A. It was caught on camera. And this was before phones had cameras and some that. These policemen beat this man to a pulp. And there was riots and there was looting. All of the above. Same kind of things that happened. And... As America, we, we tried to make some changes and take a step forward. But here we are, 30 years later, still dealing with some of the thing, same things. And I'll be honest with you, as a white man, in my 20s and 30s and even into my 40s, I think a lot of times my response would be, oh, well, I'm not a racist, you know, or those people need to clean their act up. You know, I, it, it was never leaning into it. Well, many of you know, before God called me here to OKC Community, we spent the last three and a half years at People's Church here in town. A, a church that is predominantly black. Angie and I came because their senior pastors, Herbert and Tiffany Cooper, they had a vision for a diversified church. He's black, she's white. And me and Angie felt God call us to that vision. And we went there. And let me tell you, the first few months, they, they were difficult. It was hard. For the first time in my life, I was in a church where I was the minority. And I, all these questions are swirling around in my head. You know, was, am, am I too white? <laughs> um, did they like me? You know, am, am I the token white guy? You know? A lot of questions, and, and I struggled. But every time I prayed to God about it, I heard him saying, there's something I want you to learn here. There's something I want to teach you. And you know what we found? We found this incredibly amazing church that welcomed us in. And we made incredible friendships and relationships. You know, just like Dan said, we had some that were church relationships, some that were work friendships, but we also had those that we went deeper with, that still we have over to our house, that we still go out to lunch all the time. And during this season, I've been able to take those friends out to lunch. And every one of them has a story. Every one of them had a story about an impact that the police have had on them over the years. One in particular, me and Angie watched online. They did an online panel on a Wednesday night. We were home and we watched. And Dwayne Walker, one of the executive pastors there, who Dwayne is probably one of the smartest, brightest, most loving, probably the best leader I have personally ever worked with. He tells this story of being 18 years old. He's working at Finish Line. And it's during the holiday season, so he doesn't get off till midnight. He's on his way home at 12.30 in his mom's brand new Volvo. They just got it. 
It was the nicest car that they'd ever had. And on a road, there's nobody else. He gets pulled over by the police. And he has been told his whole life how to handle that situation. Ten and two, don't say anything unless, you know, you're asked a question. Be respectful. And the policeman comes up. Son, can I have your license and registration? He takes it, takes a look at it. Asks Dwayne to step out of the car. Cuffs him. Puts him in the back seat of his trooper and takes him down to the county jail. And finally, as they're booking him in, he gets the courage to ask, sir, why am, I being, why am I being arrested? And they tell him, son, you, you obviously stole that car. And let me just tell you, Angie and I cried when he told that story. Because nobody should have to face that. Nobody should have to feel that. Dwayne tells the officer, you know what? That's my mom, and she's remarried, so she has a different name. They call, obviously, his mom's upset now. She has to come get him. These are the stories this year that I heard, and I've been able to see this thing with different eyes this time. And I thank God that I've been able to lean in a little bit in this moment. It's been a season of learning, of listening, and of trying to better understand. I believe a good portion of you in here are believers in Jesus, which means the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. What would it mean, what would it look like if, like Peter and John, you learned to lean in to moments? What miracle might God want to work through you? Pastor Scott, I'm just an everyday or ordinary person. I, you know, I kind of fly under the radar. What can I do to make a difference? I don't preach. I don't have a platform. I don't have gifts and talents like Peter and John do. I'm just an engineer, a salesman. I'm going to trip over this thing like 50 times. <laughs> I'm just a pool guy. I'm just a father. I'm just a mother. I'm not a Peter or John, these great men of faith. You know what their response was? I shared it. They said, when all the people started running up, Where do you, why do you stare at us if by our own power? Peter and John basically said, there's nothing special about me. This is Jesus doing Peter and John were not super Christians with superpowers. They were ordinary men, much like you and me. And you know what? The funny thing about God is he loves to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I want to take you back just a little bit once again to Peter and John at the beginning. Because when Jesus found them, Peter and John were fishermen. Okay? As it came as far as the totem pole of society, they were at the bottom. Fishermen were not highly thought of. They weren't politicians or teachers or leaders or philosophers or even soldiers. They were just fishermen. It was a thankless job. Got up early sometimes for not. It was paying ridiculous taxes for your boat. 
you had to pay taxes if you wanted to fish into certain waters, which of course that's where the fish were. So if you went into that, those waters, you had to pay a certain tax. And then when you get back to shore, you have to give a certain amount of your fish to the elite automatically. I mean, they were just ordinary guys. Do you think in a million years they thought they would end up preachers or missionaries? That the Messiah whom they heard about their whole lives would come and literally call them from the shores to be fishers of men. That they would be his disciples. Peter and John actually in that inner circle of the disciples. They would begin the church. The beginning of the church that 2,000 years later is in every country across the world. They would write words that we would still be reading 2,000 years ago in the best-selling book of all time. Do you think they thought that? Sitting out on the boat day after day? Probably not. But you know what? This is where we mess things up. This is where we think we have to see something extraordinary before we can make a difference. We stand back and look around and think someone else more talented, smarter, better looking, with great hygiene, with a bigger platform, and more influence, that they'll be the ones, they'll be the ones that God uses to create change. But you see, God has used ordinary people through all of time. David, where was David when the call first came? David is out in the pasture, stepping over sheep poop when they call his name. What? David, the Philistine killer. They wrote songs about him. He's killed his tens of thousands. He was an incredible warrior and ended up being the king of Israel. Moses, the one who brought the Israelites out of, G out of Egypt, he literally argued with God. I am not qualified for this. Lord, I'm a stutterer. I, I, I can barely even talk. But God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 26, 31. Incredible piece of scripture. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one boasts before him. For those that believe, for those that call him Savior, he desires to take all of the little bits and pieces that seem so ordinary, normal, insignificant and use them for his glory to bring promise and hope to the kingdom of God right here on earth. Peter and John saw themselves as fishermen. Jesus saw them as world changers. Peter and John saw themselves as fishermen. Jesus says about Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. Maybe all you see this morning is ordinary. But God wants to use you to do something extraordinary. Maybe all you see this morning 
is just average. But he wants to use you to do something exceptional. Maybe all you see this morning is just normal. A normal everyday person. He wants to use you to do something remarkable. Were Peter and John special? Yes, of course. Just like you. And at the same time, they were ordinary as you and me as well. But you know what? They were willing. They leaned into the moment, and as ordinary as they were, they didn't let that stop them from being used by God. The first miracle that happened that day in that story wasn't the man being healed. It was that two ordinary man, men leaning into an opportunity for God to do something extraordinary through them. Let me say that one more time. The first miracle that happened that day wasn't the man being healed. It was two ordinary men leaning into an opportunity for God to do something extraordinary. In just a moment, the band's going to come up. And we're going to sing a song that we sang last week. And when I heard it last week, I knew, oh, we've got to play that song again. The song's called Available. And as we listen to this song, I just want you to consider just a couple things. Number one, how strong is your belief in the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is your Savior, that he died on that cross for you, but that, that he rose again, and all power belongs to him. Number two, the Bible says if you know Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives within you, are you allowing him to work? Are you listening for his voice? And number three, are you willing to lean into this moment? To lean into this time? everybody to bow their heads. Lord, we need you to move today. God, in the same way that even over the past few weeks, you've been working in my heart and leading me to step into this moment. Father, I pray that with each person in here, Lord, that you will speak to them that you will move in their hearts. Lord, we love you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.